Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan alongside Eric Danner. We're actually sitting across from each other today. Very different uh, setup than before. Yeah, you know, we're trying to be safe with COVID, you know, a little bit. Maybe a little more rampant, so we're a bit more six uh, feet apart, if you will. Yes, yes. Can't can't be too safe, especially around the holidays. This is our final podcast of 2021. We won't be back until January 5th. Very exciting to be a part of this final (laughs) podcast of the year. I want to wish everybody a happy and safe holiday season and there's a lot going on we mentioned we're sitting a little differently because of what's happening with with covid now and it's kind of ramping up around the country we saw some nfl games get shifted around some nba games uh, get canceled or moved and we're no different here in the WAC. we've had some games uh either canceled or moved uh so Keep an eye on our website for all the latest details. We'll get more into some of the matchups that have been uh, falling under that COVID restriction banner now. Yeah, I mean, COVID, it's not going away, and it's its starting to appear with game cancellations right before we head into conference play the 30th. But we'll ter- talk more about that uh, during our basketball segment. First, we have some awesome news Marlene Shimmer, Grand Canyon women's soccer player, became GCU's first ever player to be drafted by the NWSL. And she was the ninth pick, first round, ninth pick overall. What an exciting moment for Shimmer. We don't see NWSL draft picks very often here in the WAC. So I believe Marlene Shimmer is the highest ever uh, draft pick in that league from the WAC. Outstanding player. Had a chance to see her at the conference tournament in Abilene this year. You could just tell when she's on the field, she's at a different level. She's that good. Transferred from Arizona State, was our WAC Offensive Player of the Year. Great goal scorer, but also set up her teammates maybe even better than than scoring the goals and has a chance to go and play in San Diego. What a great place to uh, get to play soccer. Yeah, I mean, you can't go better than that. 13 goals, 14 assists this season, and she'll get to play alongside Alex Morgan for the San Diego Wave FC. So pretty exciting. We saw head coach Chris Sissel tweeting all weekend about how excited he was. Called her Shimmy, so that must be her (laughs) her nickname. So congratulations to Marlene Shimmer. And we we hope to have more of her in the near future here on on the WAC uh, All Access. Yeah, we won't say anything, but hmm, you know, keep watching, keep (laughs) Uh, following us on social media for those wacko access people. <laughs> a few other professional notes. Uh, congratulations yeah. to Traveling Queen from New Mexico State uh, getting a shot to play in the NBA for the Houston Rockets. He, he had a, quite a preseason for the Lakers, uh, didn't make the final roster, wound up playing in the G League, and now has a shot playing for Houston. Uh, I believe uh, scored his first bucket uh, the other night. And then Jamario Jones, another player from New Mexico State, who is an outstanding player in the WAC, uh, being signed by the Lakers, a team he had played for a few years ago. Again, kind of bouncing around the G League and here and there in Vegas, you know, in the Summer League and was with the Bucks for a while. And, and now he's uh, landed back in Los Angeles. So Jamario Jones, I was telling you, he was one of the most unique players I've seen. He's about six foot four, 
maybe 180 pounds. I, I don't know if he's gotten bigger, you know, uh, the past few years, but one of the most tremendous rebounders I've ever seen in person uh, in one of our WAC tournament games had over 20 rebounds. Wow. And, and he's just not, you know, what you'd think, like Fardaz Amac, you think, okay, that guy looks like a rebounder. Right. Jamario doesn't necessarily look like a rebounder, but he just is so shifty and how he gets into places and knows when to jump and, and when to grab the ball and, and just a uh, great rebounder. Had 19 rebounds in an NBA game when he first got called up a few years ago. So wow. hopefully both Trev and Jamario will stick with their with their teams. And they join Pascal Siakam, former New Mexico State player in the NBA, who's, uh, of course, with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, that's this is the first time that three former Aggies will be on NBA rosters since 1977. 78 and Jones had two points, two rebounds in just over three minutes of play last night when the Lakers lost 108-90 to the Suns. And he gets to be a teammate of LeBron James. I mean... Hey, that's that's pretty cool. If As some me. people call him the GOAT, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> maybe <MJ>. number two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're from Chicago, so you're going to be a little biased towards I MJ, might be a little but, biased. Uh, I, uh... I'm also an MJ supporter. So. Okay. Well, LeBron, don't listen to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> Michael Jordan might. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, uh, we have already some pretty exciting men's basketball games this week. Of course, all season we've had some tremendous games. UVU, man, they are just making a name for themselves. They get a win at Washington over the Pac-12 opponent, 68-52. They're now on a two-game win streak, 9-3, and three, their best 12-game start to a season in school history. Last week on the podcast, there were, we had talked about several teams playing I guess power six for basketball is the correct terminology because the Big East gets yeah. it's included in that. Power six, P6. And, and this was one of the games we were hoping, you know, we, we were hoping a few whack wins would come our way from these uh, power six matchups. And Utah Valley, they seem to rise to the level of the competition. We saw them beat a top 20 ranked BYU team earlier in the year. BYU, uh, not a in a power six conference, but a top twenty, top twenty-five team year in and year out. And this was the first power six win by Utah Valley since twenty ten. Wow. So it's been a while since they beat a, a Pac twelve team. Fardaz Amac, if you're wondering if he's NBA ready, fifteen points, fifteen rebounds against a power six team. And they only had a three point lead at the half. They really took off in the second half. Uh, Washington, for uh, WAC fans, they, their leading scorer, Terrell Brown, who played at Seattle U a few years ago, transferred to Arizona and is now at Washington. So, And he had 23 points last night in the loss of the 52 points uh, scored by oh, Washington. Wow. So he's uh, definitely one of their better players. So congratulations again to Mark Madsen, Fardaz Amak, and the team at Utah Valley getting a huge win, 16 points on the road at a Pac-12 school. I saw on Twitter last night that a couple people were tweeting about Fardaz Mac and saying that it's never a, UVU is never an underdog when you have Fardaz Mac on the team. And of course, you know, Mac quote tweeted saying, all credit <laughs> to my team. I mean, that he's now leading the NCAA with his 10th double-double from that game. So, and have to mention the two Tims, Tim Caesar and Tim Fuller, each with 10 points. So Tim squared 20. <laughs> and, and they're still without uh, some key players as well yeah. that, that are out due to injury. Trey Woodbury, of course, at the beginning of the year, you know, was considered probably their number two guy right behind Fardaz. 
unfortunately had an injury early in the season. I think he is going to be out for the year. And Justin Harmon, who, of course, had a huge game against BYU, he has been out uh, for the last few games as well. So other guys stepping up in their place in Utah Valley as we point towards conference play starting December 30th in a very impressive fashion, winning uh, in different ways as well. I think they are definitely a front runner for the WAC title. Another one, New Mexico State winning at Washington State, 64-61. And I wanted to point out in our One School, One Thing segment that we're trying to make happen (laughs) that the ESPN win probability graph had the Aggies at a 0.2% chance (laughs) of victory. And they clawed their way back from an 18-point second-half deficit to have their fourth win in a row. They're now at a six-game win streak, having won two after that. So two wins on the road at Pac-12 opponents. That's a good week for the WAC. Teddy Allen, uh, as you said during the WAC Top Play segment, Teddy Buckets. Teddy Buckets. He's our WAC (laughs) Ticket Smarter Player of the Week. He had 18 points in that win at Washington State and a huge dunk, one of the uh, posterizing type dunks, which actually was not our whack top play. It was a different one. Yeah. That's how many dunks Teddy Allen is throwing down. Teddy Buckets. He threw one down against Northern New Mexico later in the week when they're at home. That was our whack top play of the week. But showing why there was a lot of fanfare about him transferring to New Mexico State was a starter at Nebraska last year in a Power 6 school and is showing that he is one of the top talents in the WAC coming in. Serge Barry Rice, by the way, 22 points in that win at Washington State as well. And he completely changed his game. I mean, he was one of four from the floor in the first half. So for him to have that big second half to really help New Mexico State come back from that 18-point deficit. Let's talk about Dixie State now because Dixie State, we talked about them last week, but congratulations to head coach John Judkins becoming the all-time winningest coach in Utah collegiate basketball history with their 114-49 win over Sagu American Indian College. You called that. You said they were going to get a win, and I mean, it wasn't close, so they did I mean, I had a feeling. I just had a feeling that uh, that Dixie was going to win that game. Sports betting, let people know. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if that on the board or not if we're allowed to even talk about that but let's <laughs> move on with john judkins congratulations to him juddy as, as they call it him on the tweet there and not only that did he get the 583rd career victory in the state of utah he was at snow junior college for many years went on to dixie uh, they became division two and then of course division one so junior college d2 d1 he's done it all his brother by the way is the head coach at byu for the women's team so okay. a lot of uh, wins in that uh, family for basketball in the state of Utah. Then uh, the next game they win uh, against North Dakota, he gets his 300th win at Dixie State. Yeah. So he just uh, had a big week of uh, filling up the record books there. Yeah. And we saw him get doused in water, of course, in the locker room. That just And they're the Trail Blazers. So, you know, yeah. Doused. I mean, yeah. pretty insane. And we actually had our freshman player of the week from Dixie State, Noah Gonzalez. 12 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal in over 24 minutes of play against North Dakota. Tonight, the Trail Blazers are on the road at Southern Utah, 7 p.m., before opening conference play at home against Tarleton. DSU is uh, one to keep an eye on because they uh, winning at North Dakota and, and pretty handily a, as well. So uh, John Judkins, as we just mentioned, a great coach. So he's definitely got them on the right track here as we uh, head towards conference play. Another big win on the week 
Grand Canyon defeating San Francisco 49 to 48. So if you're Ooh. a fan of high scoring games, <laughs> not, <laughs> not the one for you, but San Francisco was 10 and 0, one of, I believe, only seven undefeated teams in the country. So to knock them off, by the way, San Francisco then went on to beat Arizona State. So a, a very legitimate win for GCU and Bryce Drew. And GCU kept San Fran nearly 30 points below its scoring average. So people were kind of talking about, oh, my gosh, the defense here. But if you look at the stats, the Lopes have really been playing tough defense since last year. Last season, the Lopes held opponents to 38.3% shooting, ranking second nationally, probably one of the reasons they got to the NCAA tournament. But then this season, they've actually dropped that stat to 37%. So, I mean, they're they're playing tough defense defense lockdown defenders and even in that lost arizona state the week before held the sun devils to 31 percent shooting problem was that gcu also shot yeah. <laughs> so they they wound up falling in that one but uh, again they're, they're, here's a team to watch a team playing well with some big wins early in the year and they are now going to be on espnu january 15th that game has been uh, selected to move to espnu First uh, nationally televised game on a linear network on ESPN. So congratulations to the, all the folks involved there. They're going to be playing Tarleton. And the Texans have been on somewhat of a uh, win streak here as well as they beat South Alabama. Solid win a at home. And then they uh, took care of Air Force pr pretty much with no problem uh, last night there in Stephenville. And Billy Gillespie, of course, a uh, well-known coach around the country. He's been at Kentucky, been at Texas A&M, been at Texas Tech. Uh, he's at Tarleton and has the Texans playing really well right now. So that should be a fun one to watch. January 15th, uh, game time has been moved to 7 p.m. Mountain to accommodate for ESPNU. So uh, that'll be one we're excited to see here in a few weeks. Yeah, I don't. I think that Tarleton can certainly rise to the occasion. I think that they can give GCU a game, and I don't think that it would be a blowout like some people might think. I think Tarleton really has stepped up, and as we've seen with their quality wins. Also, another team... Stephen F. Austin at Kansas lost 80-72, to 72, but, man, the Lumberjacks really gave them a game. They were down just eight points with seven and a half minutes left. Team shot 53% from the floor, 41% behind the arc. And 100% from the bird. <laughs> from <laughs> the bird against his former team, yeah. Latrell Jussell. <laughs> the Kansas going in ranked number seven in the country. Uh, Stephen F. Austin uh, fans might remember a couple of years ago went into Duke and won at Cameron Indoor. So this is a team that knows how to win in big environments, and they were right there the entire game. It was in Kansas would pull away a little, and then they would, you know, Stephen F. would come back and uh, David Cackleries, who you talked to during our WAC basketball media days, he had 18 points in the loss for SFA, but they they look like a, a, a Big 12 caliber team in that game. So, I mean, what a week for the WAC men's basketball in all these nice wins that we have. And we will preview the Road to WAC Vegas debuts the 29th, and that will feature some games to watch for the upcoming year. It's our first one right before conference play begins December 30th. Some games to watch. Let's get into that, and then we're going to bring in your uh, Brett Tanner interview. Ah, uh, yes. See, I just ruined your segue there. Yeah, We're going to do, do the preview. So, Come on. Uh, with uh, <laughs> conference play starting up, uh, some games recircled here. Abilene Christian at Utah Valley. We just talked about how UVU beat Washington, beat BYU. Abilene Christian 
eight and two winners of eight in a row. Utah Valley at nine and three. That's definitely one that uh, I'm excited to see on uh, December 30th. Yeah, that is definitely a great matchup. And first time playing in the WAG, head coach Brett Tanner is certainly excited to get his conference play going. As we'll hear shortly. As we will hear <laughs> in our next segment. Don't go away. Uh, another good matchup will be New Mexico State at Seattle U. That's also the 30th. Aggies on a six-game win streak at 11-2. and two. That's a team that has those gritty wins like we talked about really come together. SU, 8-4. and four. They do have a game tonight against Northwest. So they could be on a two-game win could, streak. Could be 9-4. And, four. and New Mexico State at, at 11 and two. They, they're playing really well, won six in a row, and kind of a, a quirk, I guess you could say, with the schedule uh, because of the uneven number of teams. So New Mexico State's at Seattle U Thursday on the 30th. They come back home on January 1st and play Chicago State. So a lot of times they'll play. You know, when you have the travel partner situation, you play a home game Thursday, home game Saturday. There's a few times during the year each school will have to play a road game, then a home game, or vice versa. And this, oh, okay. this happens to be the case for New Mexico State uh, that particular week. Uh, UTRGV will be at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, the uh, Hopefully, the Vaqueros, one of these victims of the uh, game being canceled. They were supposed to play a game yesterday that got canceled due to COVID concerns, and uh, Stephen F. Austin also had a game canceled due to COVID concerns. They were supposed to host Jackson State uh, this mm-hmm. week, and that game was canceled. So hopefully... Everything's squared away, and they can get uh, get their conference planned away on December 30th. Yeah, SFA is 8-4, UTRGV 5-7, and seven, and it'll be the WAC debut for head coach Matt Figger, who their last game, they did win, so they're coming in with the momentum. Also a WAC debut for Stephen F. Austin. That's true. That's true. Coming uh, one of our new additions this year. So WAC debut for all. How exciting. Got another game on January 1st, Seattle U at CBU. This is our game of the week for our Rotwag Vegas show. So definitely <laughs> check social media on the 29th. You don't want to miss that awesome show. Red Hawks 8-4, and four, CBU at 9-3. and three. Ty Rao, congratulations to him. Just joined the 1,000-point club ah, last yes. night uh, with 24 points in a victory by the Lancers, who are looking pretty good early in the year. Yeah, Lancers are nine and three. They'll be ten and three, assuming that they get a win on the twenty eighth against Laverne. Yes, we do hope they get the big <laughs> win over Laverne. But again, keep an eye on things because a lot of games being canceled, unfortunately, at this time. And I think it probably has something to do with the, the break as well, and 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 those kind of things as far as travel. Uh, not easy to travel. Uh, as you're going to find out here on your trip to Panama City, the, the airports are oh, full yeah. and, and all that good stuff, too. So it's uh, always a, a little more difficult to travel this week maybe than some other weeks of the year. So planning extra time at the airport is what you're telling me. Yes. Are okay. you are you pre-check? Are you, uh, no, I'm not pre-check. See, I'm not, I always think when I'm at the airport, man, I should be pre-checking. Yeah. That. But I'm going to be traveling with my family, and so like if – if one person's pre-checking the rest aren't, I don't think it does you any good, does it? No, I, I guess because what are you? You're just gonna get through the <laughs> line and wait for them. <laughs> you still gotta get there early. That reminds me, I do have to check into my Southwest <gasps> flight soon, so yeah. I, I have three alarms I set so I can make sure. Since Southwest, I recently found out doesn't do seat assignments. You got to check in. <laughs> so the first time I was this is not breaking news by the this way. Is, this is been <laughs> on this for was like breaking news to years. me, <laughs> who had never flown Southwest previous to and, and I wind up flying Southwest so much. <sighs> 
you're, I'm an A-lister. You're an A-lister. <laughs> see, but you get the the C group. You sit in the back. You look down, and nobody sits in the middle. And there you go. You are see, got a window seat. You got no one in the middle. It's it, it's it's, a, it's a, like it's a game. It's, it's a risky. game. It is. And I, I think I told you my idea that they should have a seat chart that lights up when people. Yeah. But then they looked at me like I was crazy. So I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess they don't want, you know, just some guy on the plane to tell them what they need to do with no, their I guess product or something. That's but, true. But A-list. So speaking of A-listers, coming up next, oh, Brett Tanner, the head coach of Abilene Christian, as Kendra got a chance to sit down with him in our Road to Wack Vegas segment. That's coming up next on the Wack Podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. We have a special guest joining us, ACU men's basketball coach Brett Tanner. In his first season as head coach of the Wildcats, now I talked to you about two months ago at Basketball Preview Days. How have you liked the gig so far? Uh, so far, so good. Um, you know, there's times I wish I was still the assistant down there, man. Everybody blames me for all the mistakes now. I used to be able to make suggestions and nobody cared. They blamed it on the other guy. But uh, but other than that, it's been great, man. What adjustments have you had to make that maybe you didn't expect to make when you took this job initially and I spoke to you two months ago to now just preparing for conference play? Yeah, uh, well, number one, the basketball part's easy. It's this part that, that you know, that, that I've never had to do. But, but I think, you know, just – uh, just to me, it's, it's what I do, man. I've been doing it for 20 years. I think basketball is basketball. Uh, it's a little different now because I'm making maybe more decisions, but, uh, I was really fortunate to work for a guy who gave me a big part in the program anyway. And so I think that's really helped with the transition, not only for myself, but for our players. Do you feel like your team is where it needs to be as we get into conference play very soon? No, <laughs> no <not even laughs> close, man. Uh, they've done a good job. I mean, they're, uh, we, we've had a, a pretty good, you know, non-conference slate. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup where we got shut down for a week. And so we lost three really good games that we were looking forward to. Um, and so we were only able to replace it with one since it was an MTE, but, uh, but we've had a tough slate, but they've all been at home. And so it's been kind of, you know, I, I'm proud of how we're playing, but uh, it feels like we haven't been on the road for a long time. And, and we start conference play on the road uh, against, you know, two really good teams. And so, um, but you got to play the games, whether we're ready or not. Uh, I do feel like we've gotten better each game that we've played, and I think that's the that's the whole key. I mean, you don't expect to be playing your best basketball yet. Um, you hope to keep continue to get better each and every day. You had mentioned when I spoke with you before about how excited you were to join the WAC. You were excited to play new teams, travel to new places, and give yourself a challenge. And you certainly have that your first conference game against UVU, a team that has proven themselves with a big win over BYU. What are you excited most about that first game in the WAC? Well, I think just the challenge of it, you know, I mean, just, just going out there, I, you know, coach Matson's a great coach. He's got really good players. Uh, and as, as everybody knows, I mean, they've, they've proved themselves in the, in the non-conference slate, but, but also last year, I mean, I think they're the, the co, you know, co-WAC champs coming back. And so, uh, what a test, man. If you're going to get tested, why well, might as well go get tested against the best, you know, right off the bat. And so um, it's going to be fun. Uh, we're excited about it and uh, ready to get going. I think the front court was a big question mark this season. We had talked about that before. How have you adjusted your lineup? And do you feel like you have a good idea of who your starting five, or your core five will be as you start conference play? 
yeah, we've made some changes here and there throughout the non-conference. I think it's going to continue all year that way. I, I think uh, I'm really proud of the guys. We have some guys playing out of position. You know, it it is what it is, but uh, that's going to be our whole team. We've always been undersized. I, I saw something, I think, the other day. We're the smallest team in Division One basketball. <laughs> I, guess, I don't uh, – whatever that means, but uh, <clears throat> we, we take some pride in that, I guess. You know, that's kind of who we are and who we've always been. But, uh, you know, I'm – like I said, I'm, I'm proud of the guys. We got a lot of new guys playing in, in that spot, um, and we have a our one returner that's starting for us at, at the center is is not really a center, and he didn't play last year really. He's, and so he's still a baby, you know. And, and so he's he's growing up right in front of us. But uh, I'm proud of how they're doing. Uh, we're relying a lot on our defense, like we always have, uh, to, to score points, and hopefully we can keep doing that. Who have you seen the most growth from, or who surprised you the most this season up until this point? Uh, you know, a few guys. I'm really proud of Cameron Steele, uh, who is playing at the center for us, I guess, if you wanted to put a label on it. Um, and he was not anticipating that when the year started, and neither were we. Um, and, and he is a he's like a freshman. I mean, he's a sophomore, but he's a freshman. He, he didn't play last year, really. And um, and so I'm proud of him. I think he's done a great job. Makai Morris is a guy who's in our starting lineup that has never really got quality minutes um, here. And, and he's He's taken uh, on a new role, and, and we really count on him, and he's done an unbelievable job. And then another player, uh, Tobias Cameron, who's who's always just kind of played spot minutes for us. And um, he's still coming off the bench, but he's he's making big-time plays for us. He's been a crucial part of every win that we've had. And Corian Mason and Reggie Miller, too, the guys that were with you for that basketball preview days, what have you liked from them? Have you seen their role kind of step up as, as we progress through this season? Yeah, they, they've done exactly, and I would throw Damian Daniels in that mix too. I think they've done exactly what was expected of them so far, uh, and which is why I didn't mention them. You know, to me, they're not, they're not a surprise. Uh, you know, I think they're uh, they they bring it. They're everyday guys, man. Uh, they're they're undersized every night. Um, you know, they play with a chip on their shoulder, man. I think, uh, but I would go to I would go to battle with those two guys and, and those three if you count Damian any day of the week. Uh, I'm super proud of them, and uh, they're they're our leadership for sure. Uh, we go as they go. You went on a bit of a win streak in this non-con slate. Um, two losses at the start, but one, of course, was forcing overtime against Texas A&M. Do you feel like this non-conference slate has prepared you, made you battle-tested and ready for the gauntlet that is the WAC? I do. I do. I think, uh, you know, and like I said, the schedule had to change a little bit because of that, that, that losing the Bahamas. But uh, I think – you know, we were we got we we played three games in six days, even though they were nons. Uh, it still kind of we're gonna play Thursdays and Saturdays, so it gave us that feel. Um, we but we have tested ourselves against good people. We played at Utah on the road, at Texas A&M on the road, at UT Arlington on the road, uh, and then we've had we've been at home against you know Cal State Bakersfield, who is is a really good team, as well as Drexel, and we're about to get really tested on Wednesday uh, with a really good Longwood team. So I, I'm I'm excited. I think we are prepared. Um, what it's going to look like, I don't know. I've never been in the WAC, so we're about to find out. Well, when you had mentioned before about joining the WAC and getting to go to new places and, and you got a, you had a lot of friends in the league, what place are you most excited to visit that might not just be basketball-related? Yeah, I mean, well, we're not going to get to spend a whole lot of time outside of basketball. That's so true. Really, really all of them. I, I, spent, uh, I, I don't look forward to going to any of them because i got to play somebody when we're there, but uh, – <laughs> You know, but but I'm excited about them all. Uh, you know, I, I I'm just looking forward to it. Like I said, I, I've got a lot of friends that are in the league, but there's a lot of coaches that I have never met before, and, and I'm excited to to build new relationships with these guys and uh, and compete with them. Very interesting interview there with Brett Tanner, the first year head coach for Abilene Christian, as they of course won a game in the NCAA tournament last year and 
Coach Tanner seems to have them on track. They had a lot of changes on the lineup uh, this year, but he's got them back in their winning ways. I think I liked when I spoke with him and I said, you know, I, you're on an eight-game win streak. You feel like you're ready for whack play. And he just responds, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I guess, you know, he, he made sense when he said that. You're not going to be playing your best basketball now. So they're just continuing to improve and get better. I just thought it was funny. Nope. <laughs> We're not ready. <laughs> well, women's basketball also starting conference play on December 30th. Uh, first off, our players of the week this week. Zenabu Chom is our player of the week out of Tarleton. She had six points, 11 rebounds, five blocks against Oral Roberts when Tarleton went 2-0 this week. So they won 59-55 over Oral Roberts, and then they beat Northwestern State. She had her first double-double of the season, 18 points, career-high 15 rebounds, five blocks, three steals. Tarleton now 7-3. and three. They'll play Incarnate Word actually today at 2 p.m., so <laughs> we get this podcast up. Yeah, I, I don't know when it's probably. Uh, <laughs> we might. This will be after that. But uh, Senebu Chom, having uh, watching that game a little bit uh, against Earl Roberts, uh, very impressive player, six foot six. Mm. Uh, so maybe yeah. a little bit taller than you uh, than you we, we typically see. Although Josie Williams six five, but uh, just very long, blocks a lot of shots, uh, has pretty good footwork down there in the low post as well, and uh, once again our freshman. Of the week is Akasha Davis from Lamar. This seems to be kind of an alternating yeah. award uh, <laughs> between uh, Leah Collins and Akasha Davis this year or this week. Davis gets it for the second straight week. Uh, the Cardinals uh, beat Prairie View 66 to 46 while she scored 18 points with seven rebounds. And uh, she is also a, a very good player down there in the low post. She is. And, and you mentioned Collins. Aliyah Collins, we spoke with yesterday. Go over to our Instagram page for our Whack All Access. We spoke to her, Chicago State, hosting GCU in the first conference. And that's another matchup. team that's kind of been hit by these COVID uh, cancellations. Yeah. Have not played, I believe, since, what, December 4th? That's, yeah. It's been a, so, a, a few weeks, so hopefully they, uh, they can stay fresh as uh, conference play begins. Uh, they get to play GCU and New Mexico State to start the season. Yeah, and some other games that we had, the South Padre Island Classic. We spoke to Sarah Bershears last week on our Whack All Access segment. She was excited to uh, be at the beach and hang out there. Um, uh, yeah, unfortunately, not, yeah. not the results they wanted. <laughs> right. uh, maybe the beach part was cool, <laughs> but uh, had a couple of tough opponents, too. Uh, Liberty is a very good team. Yeah. Uh, having a chance to watch some of those games. Uh, they lose 54-32 to 32 to Liberty and then also fall to UTSA 66-59. to 59. But in that same classic, Grand Canyon was also there. So Molly Miller, the head coach of GCU, probably was like, Hey, Lane Lord, uh, I see you're playing some games at South Padre Island. Uh, we got some open dates on the schedule. Let's head down to South Padre. And uh, GCU did come away with a victory against UTSA, but did fall to Liberty. As I said, uh, Liberty looks like a pretty legit team as well. Yeah. Good preparation for conference play. CBU, they are now on a four-game win streak. They're really a team that has kind of broken away from the pack. I feel like 9-2 and two overall right now. They just won in overtime last night against Cal Poly, 66-64. They also beat Santa Clara this week, 58-54. Kaitlin Harper in that Cal Poly game, 16 points, 4 rebounds. Oleda, 6 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Kaitlin Harper has kind of emerged uh, maybe in more of a Brittany Thomas role. Uh, Thomas now coming off the bench. 
Um, she also had uh, 29 points coming off the bench in that uh, victory, also with 13 rebounds. So maybe we're seeing the emergence of Brittany Thomas as uh, she only played 23 minutes and stuffed the stat sheet against Cal Poly there. Wow. Uh, Ani Oleda wound up playing 43 minutes as the game went to overtime. You know, you don't want to <laughs> have her not on the floor very right. often. Uh, but uh, Caitlin Harper leading the WAC in scoring this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ani Oleda continues to lead the WAC and the nation in, in assists. This yeah. year, so kind of picking up where they left off, but a little different uh, looking team in, in that Brittany now comes off the bench. Yeah, I think that the Lancers are a team that's going to be really tough to compete against, and they're certainly going to be in contention for that WAC title. Speaking of conference play, it's coming up. Our first game, SFA at Lamar, is actually canceled. There's lots of positive COVID results among the Lamar program. So they were actually going to open conference play the 30th, playing Sam Houston and then SFA on the first. Both of those games have been canceled. Yeah, unfortunate that, you know, and I'm afraid this is going to be uh, hopefully not the tip of the iceberg because hopefully it's not an iceberg underneath it, but uh, wouldn't be surprised to see other games maybe in the same boat as we, we head toward conference play. But uh, here we sit on December 22nd, we already have – two conference games that are canceled uh but uh, you know again that this is this is the world we live in now and uh, i'm sure lamar would love to be playing those games you know at home uh off to a good start uh and and these are two teams that are you know rivals uh, sam houston and stephen f austin so unfortunate there but looking at the, the rest of the schedule we have some other uh big games coming up utah valley uh, traveling to Abilene Christian, Utah Valley, went to the NCAA tournament last year. ACU off to a great uh, start as well at 8-3. Uh, and three. So that's one uh, I have circled on my calendar. You know what? I also have it circled <laughs> on my calendar. Sarah Griswold is certainly a key player to watch for Abilene Christian. UVU is on a three-game losing streak. They can snap that maybe in this conference game. CBU at Seattle U is another featured game that we have. That's on January 2nd. So if you're looking for something to do on Sunday and you want to watch some women's NCAA basketball, 2 p.m., we just mentioned they're on a four-game win streak. And and California Baptist, a very fun team to watch with Ani Oleda, with Brittany Thomas now seeming to emerge, and, and Caitlin Harper, uh, Dorcas Wu, Georgia Dale, a lot of uh, familiar names from last year's WAC championship team. But Seattle U, also a team returning a lot of players, Mackenzie Williams, uh, Bree Calhoun, our mm-hmm. WAC Defensive Player of the Year. So that should be a fun matchup as well, and that will be up in Seattle in the Emerald City on January 2nd. That's right. SU will actually play New Mexico State the 30th at New Mexico State, so that's a 5 p.m. game, and then they'll they'll have to go right on over to SU. Two road games right off the bat for New Mexico State. We recently had our WAC holiday party, yes. which doubled this year as a going-away party yeah. for Commissioner Jeff Hurd, as we've talked about on the podcast. We had Brian Thornton on few weeks ago we had patrick colbert uh, on last week our new uh senior associate uh, commissioner and so we have some changes going on in the office jeff has been here for 37 years so recently i had a chance to sit down with uh, jeff hurd and he talked about his career from the missouri valley conference to 37 years in the WAC. also in this piece you're going to hear uh, carl benson former commissioner of the WAC, and uh, jeff's daughter shannon who is also 
uh, a big part of uh, what's been going on in the WAC. She's been been around for a lot of bowl games and that kind of stuff, so we had a chance to talk with her. And then also Wayne Larravee, you'll hear his voice in this. He is the play-by-play announcer for the Green Bay Packers. And Jeff and Wayne go way back as well. So here's a, a look back at the career of Jeff Hurd. I'm going to go way back. I grew up in North Dakota. Our big deal was to put on our, our ice skates, go down to what we called the Mouse River, so the Surus River that ran through Minot, scrape off the snow and play a little hockey on the, on, the, on the river. My first major league game was in 1961. My dad took me to Minneapolis. We went to see the Yankees play, and that was the year of Roger Maris's 61 home runs and Mickey Mantle's 54, so that really cemented my, uh, my affinity for the Yankees. I spent my uh, last two year, years of junior high and my first two years of, of high school in Columbia, which is the home of the University of Missouri. So my junior year, I went to a, uh, a sorority social event, I guess, to put it that, you know, to put it that way, and met her there. Uh, we dated uh, really kind of off and on for the next two years. And, and then fairly seriously, the last part of my senior year, she decided to go with me and we ended up in Hannibal, Missouri. And uh, so now 49 years later, she's still my wife and we're, we're still, uh, still together having raised four kids. And um, you know, just it's amazing how fast the time goes by. We spent our 49th anniversary at home eating pizza and watching TV. So probably have to step it up a little bit for the 50th. You know, my first job was in, in Hannibal, Missouri. I was a, a one-man sports staff. Uh, learned a whole lot during that time period. Worked about 80 or 90 hours a week, but when you're young and dumb, it doesn't make any difference. It really taught me uh, you know, the, the, the value of one-time management, but also responsibility and getting things done. And I. Uh, again, I, you know, I, I was there for about a little more than a year before I went left for another job, but uh, really enjoyed it, looked back on it very fondly. Left there to go to Tulsa to work for the Tulsa Tribune, which was an afternoon paper there, uh, and spent um, a little more than a year with the Tulsa Tribune before a, a job opened at the University of Tulsa. And through a colleague of mine at the newspaper, I was able to to get an interview with the, with the university and ended up getting the job. And that started my intercollegiate athletics career and ended up leaving it about four years later to go to the Missouri Valley Conference. Started in 1977, 1978, which was Larry Bird's senior year at, the, at Indiana State University. And I had no idea what I was getting into at that time or what I guess what I was watching at that time. ended up in Denver, had not been to Denver till, until the time I'd interviewed uh, for the job with the WAC and you know, came here, I'll never forget it, it was August 4th of 1985. Uh, I lived in my, my boss, my, my, the commissioner at that time was Joe Kearney. Uh, he allowed me to live in his garage, he had a, in a little apartment above his garage where I stayed for about two months while my wife uh, was trying to sell our house in Tulsa. It was great, he had a cat named Bonsai. And Bonsai would sleep with me every night, come up and sleep on the pillow. I think if I have this right, we were living in the then commissioner Joe Kearney's house just for a very short time while my parents looked for a home when we moved here. And I just remember he had a cat named Bonsai that was a Siamese. So. You know, I always looked at it like I was fortunate. I, I worked for a great guy in Dr. Kearney. Uh, my wife was happy in Denver. She, she started a real estate career. 
here and uh, our kids were happy and, and quite frankly you know my goal was uh, I was really you know what made me happy was quality of life and being able to uh, see see my kids activities to be part of them my dad was an, is an amazing dad he was no matter how busy he was, he was always making a point to be there for activities or to show us that he was thinking about us. So one of my earlier memories is when he would come back from a work trip, he would leave a roll of lifesavers on top of the television for us to find in the morning. And it was just like a little gesture to show that even though I wasn't there, you were on my mind. And that was super special. So every time I see a roll of lifesavers, I think of that now. Coach both my sons from the time they were six to the time they were 14. Um, they, they played a number of sports, my, primarily I coached their baseball teams. Um, I, both my daughters were, in the swim, were swimmers in high school, so it was important to me. I couldn't teach them much about diving and, and the swimming part of it, but it was important to me to be able to go to their events. Went to bowl games together, we went to Hawaii together. My dad coached my softball team, or was, I think it was a baseball team when I was really young. More recently, my father and I went to Rocky's Fantasy Camp together. Huge Rockies fans going to the games, watching them together, very special. I would say I learned how to play golf. I didn't really learn how to play golf well, but it is, a, it is a, um, something I really enjoyed doing. And then I also got into officiating youth, youth sports with the Parks and Recreation uh, Department in, in the South Denver, and I still am involved in that today. So that's what I enjoyed doing. Carl came in, uh, in yeah, about the, in the early 90s. Yeah, early, early to mid 90s, 94, 95 in that area. It was an exhilarating time, and you know the role Jeff played as, you know, as uh, the senior associate, uh, and he had been there, you know, for numerous years before, and uh, he was just such a tremendous uh, help during that that transition from the 10 team, you know, whack to a 16 team whack. I went from conference relations director to to an associate commissioner's level to a senior associate commissioner's level. We worked together for 18 years and I mean side by side and as a staff we you know we uh, had to persevere departure after departure and um, you know Jeff was always there with a with a real stable you know stable force and and I think if there's one word that you know that describes you know Jeff I think is loyal. Um, you, know, you look up the, the, the word loyal in the dictionary and you see a picture of Jeff Hurd. Carl decided to leave to take the commissioner's job at the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, the board of directors at that time uh, came to me and asked if I, you know, asked for if I would be the, the interim commissioner at that time. I think that, that when I left, uh, had he not been named the, you know, my successor, uh, I think that there would have been there would have been a lot of uh, people within the membership that that uh, would have uh, you know maybe stood up and and, uh, and said why. I never envisioned myself as a commissioner of a conference. Um, it, it turned out that through various circumstances that that's what happened, and I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time, and I was fortunate to be given an opportunity. The luxury of of having a pretty strong background in the league. I knew where the skeletons were hid, basically. I knew the issues that we were going to be facing. I wanted to see two things. One, I wanted to see if I could be an effective commissioner, if I could make it work. That was one. And then two, I really want, I really had such a, 
an affinity for the conference and really I'd spent most of my uh, administrative career in the conference. I wanted to see if I could help keep it together. Jeff knew uh, you know, what it took and how it took to, to manage um, addition teams, new teams. I think here in the last you know, year now you've seen you know, how he was able to, to manage the, the transition of the, of the new members coming in and, um, and he, you know, he deserves a, a ton of credit for, for holding the, the whack together. He really, um, I think uh, without, without Jeff's leadership, uh, there were many times when, when the whack probably could have just folded, folded their tents and, uh, and went out of business. It was a goal of mine uh, to help the conference pull out of what it was in at the time. Not so much that I was, I wanted to be the commissioner, although that was certainly part of it. Uh, but I had an opportunity to prove uh, whether, I had, whether or not I had the ability to do it. And so it was, I was really, I guess, proving something to myself. He stepped up, you know, at a time when the, when the WAC really needed, you know, strong leadership and, uh, and delivered. The biggest accomplishment would be that the league survived and not only survived, not just for a year or two, uh, but survived uh, about a three or four year period where, quite frankly, one phone call and we're done. Jeff Hurd has resurrected, you know, the, the Western Athletic Conference. You know, this day comes for everybody sooner or later. And uh, I always knew that when, the, when it came, whether it came 10 years ago or 10 years from now, I'd be in the same boat. I'm not, I wouldn't know what I was going to do, but I would figure it out, and I will in this case also. The WAC will always be part of me, and whether I'm you know, out fiddling in the backyard or out playing golf or traveling somewhere, I'll always uh, keep an eye on what's happening in the conference. Hi, Jeff. It's Wayne Larrabee. I appreciate the opportunity to tell you how happy I am for you, for Sherry, and your entire family on the conclusion of a tremendous career as commissioner of the WAC. But I want to go back a little bit further in time, like 40 years ago, 1981 to be exact, when Daryl Ewald, the late Daryl Ewald, our producer and director, put me on play-by-play, -play, Bob Ortigal, the former Drake coach on Analyst, and he had you as the liaison between the Missouri Valley Conference and our television crew, which was putting together the first MVC Game of the Week telecast. It started out in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Remember that? We poured so much time and effort into that. And all that came out of it was it looked good in the truck, as Daryl said. That's as far as the telecast got that night. Things got considerably better, but working with you and getting to know you and, and becoming a friend of yours is one of the highlights of my career. I enjoyed so much the four of us traveling around the Missouri Valley Conference for the next four years, for the production meetings and the planning, and especially the post-game debriefings at some of the best gin mills in the Valley. Jeff, congratulations on everything. We're so happy for you. Best of luck in the future, and we'll see you down the road. I know that, uh, that Joe Kearney, who I replaced and who hired Jeff, and Jeff was, was you know, Joe's loyal, you know, number one person. And, you know, I inherited Jeff, and, and he became my number one person. Um, I know that Joe's very proud of him, and, and I'm very proud of him. And, and I hope that he's very, very proud of himself for what he's done. I have so many wonderful memories of his time in the WAC and some of the things we have gotten to experience together the WAC basketball tournament, the bowl games, just the, I'm so grateful. 
I will miss it so much, but I'm so grateful for this experience, and I just wanted to say thank you. You know, life isn't always fair, and you don't always get exactly what you want, but I'm happy with what I was able to accomplish, happy with what I had, and happy with where, where I've left the conference. And, you know, to use a, a cliche, uh, if you can leave something better than when you took it over, uh, I think you've had a good career, and that's why I look at my, my tenure in the WAC. So we want to wish Jeff Hurd the best of luck. He's made it very clear this is not retirement for him. So he is going to be working, as you heard in the piece. I mean, he does, uh, he referees youth football. I mean, yeah. this is something maybe a lot of us didn't even realize in the office that he would do this on his weekends. And he's a guy, he, uh, he's always got to be doing something. So I'm sure whatever it is he goes into next, uh, he, will, he will be all in, just like he was uh, here at the WAC. Very passionate for what he does. He's a very passionate guy. And I, I think he mentioned that he was going to be at the WAC Vegas tournament, maybe? Yeah, so yeah. He was, he was pointing on. And he's also staying on, I believe, as a special advisor mm. uh, to new commissioner, Brian Thornton. So that's that's always good because Jeff has been in the league so long. He's been through a lot of changes. And as he mentioned in the piece, he said, I think he, he said where the, he knows where the skeletons are buried. His skeletons are hid. <laughs> <laughs> but is that what he said? Skeletons yeah. are hid? So I don't know if that's the correct cliche. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. <laughs> he, he knows he's probably forgotten more about the whack than all than I know about it. So it's uh, we wish him well. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably still see him around from time to time. But uh, also looking forward to this new era of the whack with uh, Brian Thornton as well. Yeah, Jeff and I bonded over um, in the interview process when when I was interviewing for this position over, you know, his days in the Missouri Valley. I used to work in Southern Illinois covering SIU at the Missouri Valley. But anyway, wishing him the best of luck. Didn't get to know him for too long, but he was a great guy. I could tell he's a great leader, well-respected in this office. But looking forward also to the new changes and our new leadership and a lot of exciting things in the works. So in 2022, WAC podcast, the WAC is back better than ever can't wait to uh continue sharing all the great things that are happening in the league and we got a lot to cover when we get back after the first league of conference play so don't miss it this is the whack podcast for eric danner i'm kendra sheehan be sure to listen to us on apple Podcasts, spotify and soundcloud happy holidays everybody see you next year thanks for listening to the whack podcast make sure to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.